Last week we began a, a new message series called You. You know, if you, if you were here a couple months ago, we talked about them, so it's only fair now that we talk about you, is that right? And we subtitled this, Who Do You Think You Are? Because we learned something last week that has the potential to revolutionize the way that we live. When you know who you are, you'll know what to do. When you know who you are, you'll know what to do. One of the most common problems that Christians face today is that we don't really know who we are in Christ. And because we don't know who we are, so often we don't know what to do. Last week we saw that there's no such thing as a normal Christian. Now, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, you go, well, we, I already knew that. But that's not what we're talking about. There's, there's no such thing as saying, well, I'm just a, I'm just a normal Christian. I'm just a, a regular Christian. There's no such thing. We're filled with the Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. We have access to the very throne of God. We have the authority to use the name that was given above every name, the name of Jesus Christ. And there's nothing normal or regular about us. And when we know who we are, we'll know what to do. It's all about knowing who we are in Christ. Now, I'm going to tell you, as I was preparing, I got more and more excited. Because I think this message today, if we will let it, okay, if we'll open up our hearts and open up our minds and we'll receive truth today, I think today could be worth more to you than a year of counseling. Because here's what I know. In a room this size, there are many, many of us, if not most of us, who are struggling with something. There's, there's some things going on in, in some lives here that are just overwhelming. It's too much for you to handle. There's a lot of us who, who've got an obstacle or an, an opponent. There's, there's something that we can't overcome. It could be anything. It could be a schedule that is just out of control. We don't know where we're supposed to be half the time. We meet ourselves coming and going. It could be a pile of bills that we, we never seem to get to the bottom of. It could be a relationship that's falling apart. It could be a physical issue. It could be a battle with depression. It could be an addiction. Some kind of fight. Well, I want you to listen carefully to me today because whatever it is, if today we're facing something that seems too big for us, I got really big news, really good news. And if you're taking notes, you want to write this down. In Christ, I am an overcomer. Boy, I'm glad the people needed to hear that weren't here in this service. They'd have been running up and down the streets, just screaming their heads off with joy. Maybe they'll be here in second, sir. In Christ, I am an overcomer. Not will be. Not I have the potential to be. It's what we are. 
It's what we are in Christ. And when you know who you are, you'll know what to do. You're an overcomer. But you don't have to take my word for it. Let's look at God's word. Okay? Turn over to, uh, to Romans chapter 8. Man, you talk about a rich, rich portion of scripture. Romans 8. It's just hard to beat. And we're going we're gonna to look at, at some verses that the Apostle Paul wrote. And let's just pick up. Oh, verse 31. If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Did you hear that? Did you read that? It's in, it's in the message notes folder that's in your bulletin. A, it should be up on the screen behind me unless Anthony fell asleep back there already. <laughs> if God is for us, who can ever be against us? Man, you've got to love that. If God is on our side, who, what is ever going to stop us? What can ever rise up in opposition against us? Look at verse 32. He goes on. Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? He didn't even withhold Jesus from us. He gave us Jesus because Jesus was what we, we needed. And if he was willing to do that, to give his own son to us, is he going to hold anything else back? He doesn't have anything else that's as, as valuable, anything else that's as powerful. He doesn't have anything else that he loves as much as he loves Jesus, and he's already given him to us. Now, what's he going to hold back? Skip down to verse 35. Paul asks a couple of questions, and, and, and then he lists seven different obstacles. Now, remember, Paul wrote this 2,000 years ago. But right here in this room, there are people facing, in one form or another, these obstacles. And probably all of us will face one or another of them at one time or another in our lives. Look at what he says, verse 35, Romans 8, 35. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry? or destitute, or in danger, or threatened with death. Now, I, I guarantee you that they, there's more people than we know who are facing trouble and calamity. And again, it could be anything. Calamity in the original language means a narrow passage, a tight spot. That means if you find yourself in a tight spot today, you're facing Calamity. Man, that, that could be our relationships, couldn't it? Things feel kind of tight. We feel kind of bound. In our marriage, our relationship with our kids, or maybe it's our, our in-laws. There's, there's just drama all the time. It's always something. And Paul says, can that... Can that stuff separate us from Christ's love? And I want you to know the only answer, the only possible answer to that question, the way that Paul phrases it, is no. No, that can't separate you 
from Christ's love. So Paul says, what about persecution? You know, you may be a middle schooler and you carry your Bible to school and people make fun of you. Your friends make fun of you. Or maybe you're, you're you know, a senior or even a college student and you've decided you're going to save your virginity for your marriage and nobody around you gets it. What are you talking about? That's just weird. Or maybe you've walked away from a job or a promotion or a raise or a profitable business deal because it would have caused you to compromise your integrity. People don't understand that. What are you doing? This is just the way business is done. Come on. Will persecution separate us from Christ's love? The answer is no. Paul says, how about being hungry or destitute? Now, just a quick look around. No judgment. None of us look hungry. Okay. If you're hungry, if you're sitting here hungry today, it's your fault. You could have had a donut. So none of us are hungry. So let's, 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 let's go on. Um, you might have a translation that doesn't say destitute. Your translation might say nakedness. <laughs> That's because in the original language, the word means having no clothes. Now, I look around and I don't see any naked people. Thank God. <laughs> the only ones that might possibly be naked would be somebody, you know, listening to the CD or, or, or streaming the audio online. And if you're naked, we don't want to know about it. All right? You, you, you need Jesus and you need clothes. Let's say it the Lord. So... Somebody says, well, I, 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 we're not naked. We're not, we're not hungry. Well, maybe this is financial hardship. Maybe it's financial hardship. Times are tough. Things are tight. There's more money or there's more month than there is money. And how are we going to pay these bills? Are we going to have to file bankruptcy? And that's your battle. And you're wondering, man, is this financial burden, my financial need, is that able to separate me from the love of Christ? And the answer is no. Paul says, how about being in danger or threatened with death? Now, thank God that in our country we can still worship publicly. We can still go public with our faith in Jesus Christ. Thank God. We may not always have that privilege. And there are many in this world who do not. There are many in this world, in many places in this world, where to go public with your faith in Christ means a lot of bad things, up to and including losing your own life. Thank God we're not there yet. So maybe for us this represents physical hardship, health problems. Maybe it's a doctor's report, you know. Maybe some doctor has come in and told us or told someone we love things don't look good. 
And Paul asked the question, does it mean that he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or if we're persecuted or we're hungry or we're destitute or in danger or threatened with death? And he answers those questions, that question emphatically in verse 37. In fact, in the original language, the sense, the real sense of what he says is quite literally, no, no, uh-uh. Not going to happen. Nada. No, no, no. Look at verse 37. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. In spite of what may come against us, in the face of what may come against us, we've got overwhelming victory. Some translations say we are more than conquerors. Whatever it is conquerors do, we're beyond that. We're we're more than that. And notice, it's not because of anything in us. It's not because of our strength or our smarts. It's through Christ who loved us. Christian, let me tell you who you are. You're more than a conqueror. You're an overcomer. When you know who you are, you'll know what to do. The Greek word that is most commonly translated win, victory, triumph, is nike. Yeah, that's where it came from. Nike. But that's not the word here. The word here is hooper nikao. Let me tell you how to remember hooper. We get our word hyper from hooper. It literally means hyper winner, hyper victory. It means exceeding, overwhelming, more than. Paul says you are way more than a winner. And here's here's the Greek definition of hooper nikaio. If you're taking notes, it means to defeat beyond recognition. Now that's defeat. Beyond recognition. We use, we, we talk in those same terms. Have you ever watched a ball game? Maybe it's your favorite team and they get beat. And you say, they don't even look like the same team. They don't look like the same team that played last week. They don't look like the same team that I saw play last year. <laughs> you know why? Because they've been beaten beyond recognition. Defeated. Beyond recognizing. Hooper Nikaio. It's a decisive victory. And in Christ, can I just tell you this? In Christ, we are Hooper Nikaio. We're not just going to outlast them. Okay? We're not just going to hold them off. We're not just going to beat them by one point. We are going to demolish our opposition. We have it within our, within our power. We have it in Christ to demolish our opposition. And I'm not talking about, remember Rocky II? Rocky Balboa fights Apollo Creed for the second time and, and he gets the snot beat out of him for nine rounds. And if snot offends you, come to second service, I'll use a different word. <laughs> gets the mucus beat out of him for nine rounds. And you remember how he wins? How does he win? In Rocky II, how does he win? He gets up off the canvas 
one second before Apollo Creed died. He wins the fight. His face is pummeled. His eyes are swollen shut. He's got brain damage. That's why he can only go, no, Andrew. He, he can't form words. That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is a God kind of victory. We're talking about the God kind of victory where he defeats the opposition beyond recognition. Like when the Egyptians were coming after the Israelites in the wilderness. And God opens up the, the, the Red Sea and the Israelites go through. And the whole Egyptian army, the Bible says, the whole Egyptian army follows them in. And God just snaps his fingers and the water goes back and they're washed away. Never to be seen again. That's total victory. And that's what we're talking about. We're talking about Gideon in Judges 6, 7, and 8. When God says, I, I want you to take on the Midianites the most formidable army of the day. And Gideon says, I'm afraid. God says, no, no, no. You don't know it yet. You don't believe it yet, but you're a mighty man of valor. Gideon says, I only have 32,000 men. And God says, hmm, that is a problem because that's too many for me to get all the glory. I tell you what, whittle it down to 300. <laughs> whittle it down to 300 and get your weapons together and take some horns and some pots and pans. And blow your horns and bang your pots and pans together. And God causes the whole army of Midian to turn on itself. And he wipes them out. That's the kind of victory we're talking about. That is Hupernikaio. That's who we are in Christ. That is way more than victorious. Now, I want to pause here a moment. Just hit the pause button. Because I don't want you to hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that we will never have a hard time in life. That we will never have any struggles. I'm not saying that. Jesus himself said this in John 16, verse 33. Here on earth, you will have, what? Many trials and sorrows. In other words, for us to be overcomers, there's got to be something for us to overcome, right? Jesus said, you will have many trials and sorrows, but look at what he says next. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. There it is again. There's the source again. It's not me. It's not you. It's not our power. It's not our, our, our intellect. It, Jesus said, I have overcome the world. You're in me. I have overcome the world. Well, pastor, that's just for superstar Christians, right? That's not for ordinary ones like me. Don't you dare let yourself off the hook right here. There's no such thing as an ordinary Christian. Every one of us is a Holy Spirit-filled overcomer. Yes, even you. Revelation 12 talks about how it works. In a, in a passage of Scripture that's talking about how end-time believers, we're living in the end times, folks, how end-time believers would defeat the forces of evil. It says this in Revelation 12, verse 11. They have defeated him, the devil, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. 
We overcome by the blood of the Lamb. Well, what is that? Sounds gross. The Lamb is Jesus. The Lamb is Jesus, about whom the Bible says he was slain before the foundation of the earth, and he shed his blood. And the power of that blood, Scripture says, forgives our sin, wipes them out. Through the power of the blood, Scripture says, we have access to God himself, access to the throne room of the king. The power of Jesus' blood. redeems us, transfers us from death to life. Because of what Jesus did with his blood, we are overcomers. And we are overcomers by the word of our testimony. What's our testimony? My testimony is my story. My God story. Your testimony is your God story. All of our stories of who God is and what he has done in our lives. One day, a, a boy, barely a teenager, his name was David, and he had the lowest level job in his family. He was a sheep tender. Well, this boy hears that the, the, the entire army of Israel is freaked out by one man, a giant named Goliath. Now, the guy was big, he's nine foot tall, big guy. But the whole army is freaked out by him. So, David goes to the king of Israel. He goes to see King Saul, and he says, I'll fight him. And Saul says, you, you're cute, kid. Now, now go home and play with your little sheep. <laughs> and then David tells his God story. You don't understand. Whenever a lion attacked my sheep, my God delivered the lion into my hands, and I killed him. And whenever a bear came and attacked my sheep, my God delivered that bear into my hands and I killed him. And the same God who delivered them into my hands will deliver that giant Philistine into my hands. You all think he's too big to beat. I say he's too big to miss. Now give me some rocks and get out of my way. He overcame by the word of his testimony. That's what we are, overcomers. Not by our own strength, but by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And I wish that I, 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 wish, I, wish that I could open your head up and put that in. right? And, and then, you know, push it on down into right here. I can't do that. All I can do is, is plead for you to believe it, to internalize it. To feel it. We're not talking about one of these days when I get it all together. One of these days when I stop doing this. One of these days when I start doing that. One of these days when the kids are grown. I get things back on track. No, no, no. This is who God says we are right now. And I'll tell you what I know. There's a giant that no one else thinks you can beat. And maybe you don't think you can beat it either. But you can with the power of Jesus Christ. The power of the risen Christ says you are an overcomer. When we know who we are, we'll know what to do. And we need to believe who God says we are. We are hupernikaio, more than conquerors.
Say it out loud. I am more than a conqueror. By the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. Overcomers fight in two ways. Here's number one if you're taking notes. Overcomers fight with a conquering attitude. That's where it starts. Overcomers fight with a conquering attitude. Too many Christians face their struggle with some kind of limp-wristed, wishy-washy, I don't know, it's something less than faith. I don't know what it is. And they lose the battle. Guess where they lose it? They lose it right here before they ever fight it in the world. They've already told themselves they're defeated. We've got too many believers walking around going, well... You know, everybody else gets all the breaks. Nothing ever goes right for me. Nothing good ever happens to me. Our marriage is always going to be pathetic. He's, he's always going to be a jerk. She's always going to be a, an unpleasant person. There's nobody out there for me. I'll never find anybody. I'll never get married. I'm, I, I'm always going to lose this battle uh, with addiction. I, I'm never going to be able to forgive them. Folks, that's victim speak. That's victim speak, and overcomers don't do that. Overcomers stand strong, knowing who they are, overwhelmingly victorious, more than conquerors. And we, we don't speak from a negative, defeated mindset. We know who we are in Christ. We are Hooper Nikeo. So here's what we do. Here's what we do when those thoughts come rushing in, when those negative thoughts come in. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5 says, We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. Boy, there's a lot in there. But here's the basics. We destroy. The NIV says we demolish the obstacles that get in our way. That doesn't sound like eek by. That doesn't sound like diversion. Hey, look over there. And we sneak around this way. We capture, listen, our thoughts tend to want to rebel against God's truth. You know how I know? Because I'm preaching this message to you today. And you're going, not me. He's not talking about me. That's not my life. That's not my experience. That's why Paul says, you capture those thoughts that rebel against God's truth and you teach your thoughts to obey Christ. Whenever our mind says, I can't do it, we got to train ourselves to say, no, no, no. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. You ever hear anybody say, well, all we can do now is pray. I said it myself this week. As soon as I said it, I... Because I... I wonder what God must think when we say that. Well, all we can do is pray. Oh, that's too bad. I'm your last resort. I mean, I'm just the all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present God of heaven and earth. I, it, all you can do now is depend on me. Man, sorry, you're hosed. 
I mean, how, how ridiculous is that? All we can do is pray. We can pray. We can pray. We can call on God. I can say something to God and He'll take action based on what I've said. How incredible is that? Well, it's impossible. All things are possible with God. Well, I don't have enough faith. Scripture says, if I have faith the size of a mustard seed, and that's a really teeny tiny seed. If I have that much faith, I can say to Mount Everest, go to the sea, be gone and it'll go. So we grab every thought that's not consistent with God's word and we make it obey the truth of Jesus Christ. I'm an overcomer and I'm not going to let what somebody says about me or says to me or what somebody thinks about me or what somebody does to me stop me from doing what God has called me to do because I'm an overcomer, not in my own strength, but by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. Now I can... Some of you, I can see it in your eyes. Well, that's all fine and dandy for you, Pastor Boy. You got it made. You preacher. You don't have regular problems. Well, you know what? You're right. I mean, might as well be honest about it. You're absolutely right. I don't. When you become a pastor, it's freaky what happens. Not only do you glow in the dark, but I mean, regular problems just don't stick to you. Oh, I used to be like the common little people. <laughs> right? I'd drive up to a red light, and a lot of times it would stay red. But now, as soon as I get close, not only does that light turn green, the all turn green. Boop, 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 boop. And I just drive right on through without having to stop. It's awesome. When I go to Walmart or I go to the mall, there's always a parking space right by the front door. Barely even have to walk. And our six boys, they have always obeyed. <laughs> and if they ever started not to, I just gave them the holy look and they would be like, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Yes, Daddy. <laughs> and I'm so powerful that it overflows to my wife, Vicki. I mean, she doesn't even have to clean house or do laundry anymore. She just snaps her fingers and poof! All the laundry's folded. The house is immaculate. She doesn't even have to cook anymore. She just breaks a fish and a loaf of bread and there's a six-course dinner for eight. It's amazing. <laughs> well, you've got to know this. Whatever I bring to the table here, Whatever I bring when I do this, it's because of the struggles and the hardships and the obstacles that God has brought me through. We've had financial struggles, man. I, I remember when if we had $20 to go to the grocery store with, we felt like we were rich. My mother kept us fed for two years. I didn't even realize what was going on. She'd invite us over every Sunday for lunch, and there would be these massive amounts of food. 
It was just her and my brother still at home. And we'd come in, little Ben with us. And I'd say, Mom, what are you going to do with all this food? She'd say, oh, I don't know. At the end of the meal, she'd wrap it up and pack it up and give it to us. Take this home. We won't eat it. It was years before, later before I realized what she was doing. We had a church plant that never got off the ground. We had another one that blew apart on us after a few months. I served a church in Florida. And after I'd been there a little over a year, the leadership came to me and said, we don't want you to be full-time anymore. And we understand that you might have to leave, but if you decide to stay, you can only be part-time. You don't have to get another job. Well, that's a confidence builder. <laughs> the first night of, of Luke's life, a neonatal pediatrician told me, you've got the sickest baby in this hospital. If he makes it through the night, it'll be a miracle. And we lost a baby a couple of years before Grayson was born. I've had that phone call, that automated voice on the other end that says, this is a collect call from the county jail. Will you accept the charges? So push one. You push one and the next thing you hear is, Dad? Here's my point. I have, we have had plenty of chances to say, that's it. I'm done. I quit. I give up. But God has other ideas. Absolutely. And you know what? If there's a wall in the way, then God and I will go over it. Or we'll go under it. Or baby, if need be, we'll put our heads down and we'll go through it. Because I'm an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. Believe that. Believe it. You are not a victim. With Christ, you are an overcomer. You have the power to overcome temptation, to overcome hurdles, to overcome all the struggles and obstacles this world throws at you. You fight with a conquering attitude. And there's a second way overcomers fight, if you're taking notes. Overcomers fight with supernatural weapons. Supernatural weapons. Remember, it's not our power. It's not our intelligence. It's not how, many, how much we've read the Bible. It's not how many studies we go to. We're not limited to the weapons of this world. The Scripture says this, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 and 4. We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We use God's mighty weapons. The Greek word for mighty is dunamis. It's the word from which we get our word dynamite. We use God's explosive power, His explosive weapons to knock down and destroy anything that would set itself up against Him and up against His work in our lives. Supernatural weapons. Ephesians chapter 6. List them for us. Verses 14 through 17. Stand your ground. Putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. 
In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You know, if you've ever seen the movie The Princess Bride, you know how to fight when the enemy comes. You just say, my name is Inigo Montoya. You kill my father. Prepare to die. Now, if you don't know what the princess bride is, you need to get up and go right now to the Red Box or Blockbuster or wherever, and you need to watch it today. <laughs> but that's exactly what we do. We take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and when the enemy comes, we say, my name is overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. And you killed Jesus, but he came back to life and through his power, prepared to die. We defeat the enemy beyond all recognition. We fight with supernatural weapons. Now, I know that's kind of goofy, but you'll remember it. <laughs> and that's effective communication in my book, so. We're overcomers. That's what we are. By the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, we have the power of Christ in us. I beg you to believe it. Listen, you can overcome your addiction. You can. Through the power of Christ, you can. And I'm not talking about 12 steps. You can overcome it in one step. You can overcome anger and betrayal and unforgiveness and have an awesome marriage again. You can. Through the power of Christ, you can. You can overcome your dead-end job where it feels like you're never going anywhere. And God can elevate you and promote you and cause you to be given favor and to be honored. You can overcome moral mistakes and bad decisions, and evil choices, and have a faithful, fruitful walk with God. You can, you can, you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. So no more victims. No more victimization. No more I can't, or I quit, or I give up. We're overcomers. We're victors. We're winners. We are hooper nikao. And when you know who you are, you know what to do. Bow your heads, please. Close your eyes.